We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's Russell and Medhurst on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. Indeed, you do on a Wednesday morning. Good morning to you on this second day of November 2022. Pedro on his way in. I am merely the rooster, Chris Russell. Cock a doodle doo to you. Mr. Me and Me and Me. Matt Essig on the other side. Oh, the glass. And you at 301 230 301 230 0980 or on the Twitter sphere at WrestleMania621 at Pete Medhurst at Pete Medhurst at, or actually, yeah, right? Is that what he's still going by? I, I don't know. I do it every day and I still don't know. <laughs> Pete on sports. No, it's at Pete Medhurst. It's his, like, I don't know how to explain the the Twitter thing. Like his his label, his handle I thought the handle was your at, no? Okay, so his at is just Pete Medhurst. But then on the other part of it is Pete on sports. Kind of like mine is, you know, mine is Chris Russell, a.k.a. the rooster. And I had the rooster, you know. So Pete's is at is Pete on sports, which is his thing. Mine is Chris Russell, a.k.a. the rooster. But our our at handle, I think, is the right way to say that, is at Pete Medhurst. At WrestleMania six two one, and you are what at Mister underscore, underscore me ninety three. Un- no one, no second underscore. No second underscore. I, it comes up in my thing when I when I type it, so I I don't always know it. Uh, that's why I had to double check the Pete thing because I was like, wait a second, I always see the Pete on sports since he changed it, but I know it's Pete Medhurst uh, on uh, on Twitter. Anyway, uh, you can get a hold of us there. And throughout the show, as we just get rolling here on a Wednesday, Reggie Barlow, the head coach of the newly renamed, newly renamed, that's right, newly renamed D.C. Defenders of the XFL, baby, is in studio. I just saw him a little while ago. He will be joining us uh, just after 940 is what I believe is the case. Um So we will have that for you as they officially retook again their old name uh, and we'll play at Audi Field starting next year. 
meaning 2023, in a league owned by If You Smell What the Rock is Cooking. That's right, Dwayne Johnson and friends. Uh, but we will get to that. We will get to a tough caps loss. We will get to the college football playoff. We will get to all of that. But first, oh, <laughs> I forgot to mention, NFL trade deadline, wacky, wild, weird, William Jackson officially gone, what the commanders did do, didn't do, what everybody else did, Taylor Heineke versus Kirk Cousins, all of that from 10 to noon, starting for touchdown at 10. But we will open up the show with Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper and the Philadelphia Phillies jump out early in Game 3 of the World Series and never look back, winning 7 to nothing last night. Now listen, Harper hits a bomb on a breaking pitch. John Smoltz, correctly, was setting it up. Everyone knew. I was listening to the Phillies broadcast. I didn't see Smoltz's call until I went back and I watched it on video. Uh, I was listening to the Phillies call uh, on my way back from the gym, and I think it was Larry Anderson that does their analyst uh, stuff. He was talking about how McCullers just grooves breaking. Uh, not grooves, but breaking pitch, breaking pitch, breaking pitch. That's what you should expect pretty much like the entire night. And sure, as you know what, he grooves one right over the middle of the plate, and Bryce Harper did not miss it and absolutely clubbed it. And that was just the beginning of the end for Lance McCullers, uh, who was terrible. And the Philadelphia Phillies not only got the two-run bomb from Bryce Harper in the first to start the game and give them a 2 nothing lead, but then Alec Baum with a home run after that to give them a 3 nothing lead and then a, a reviewed home run from Brandon Marsh who I'm convinced, I'm convinced, goes in the tunnel and whips his hair around like a vat of oil. I, I mean, it, it. he's just the most gross, disgusting, skeevy-looking human being ever alive on planet Earth. Certainly one that plays baseball, yet he's good. I talked to a scout friend of mine that works for another major league organization last night. He's like... Yep, I missed on him. I mean, he looks like he hasn't taken a shower in weeks. And yet he hit a home run that bounced off the wall to give the Phillies a 4-0 lead. They wouldn't look back. Kyle Schwarber with a bomb. I mean, all the ex-Nationals were hitting home runs off of the ex-National manager. Reese Hoskins joined the party. I mean... Unfortunately, it wasn't a very good game. If you're looking for a good game, you did not get it. If you were looking for a Phillies win and a lot of home runs, you got that. And with that, we say good morning to Pedro Medhurst. I think it's. I, I think if you'd have gone to the plate for Philadelphia yeah. last night, think so you could have even threatened a long ball. Look, I mean Harper clearly picked up something, gave it to Bohm. Bohm, you know, look, Alec Bohm is a guy coming out of Wichita State that a lot of people thought was going to be a really good player. It's taken him a little while, but he's getting to that point right now at Philadelphia. He's really played some terrific baseball second half of the season in the postseason for Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. He's been kind of the guy they've been waiting on here to join that Harper, Hoskins, obviously Schwarber once they acquired him as well. But they, they've been expecting something from Bohm, and he's starting to deliver that yep. right now. 
And as we were talking last night, Ranger Suarez, if I tell you at the beginning of the year, Ranger Suarez is starting critical playoff games and winning, pitching in relief in a couple of playoff mm-hmm. games and closing out the game. Zach Eflin is closing out a postseason game. If I tell you that back in April and May, you are clubbing me over the head with a 34-inch, 31-ounce bat and saying, get out of here. But it has been amazing since Rob Thompson took over, was a longtime coach with the Yankees, once he took over as the interim manager of this club, I don't know if it was Girardi. I don't know if Girardi had them paralyzed to a certain extent with his managerial style. But when Rob Thompson took over, that club dramatically changed. And yes, it helped that Zach Wheeler became a number one, like number one for them. He was terrific all season long. Took pressure off of Nola. Then you could throw guys like Suarez into that rotation and and get some results out of them. But whatever it was, whatever you know, dust that Rob Thompson sprinkled in that locker room, or maybe sometimes, as we often say, it's addition by subtraction. Whatever reason, when Girardi left that clubhouse, that club changed dramatically in a very good division. I mean, let's face it. You're facing the Mets and the Braves that many times. The Marlins were at least feisty every time you faced Alcantara and a couple of their other pitchers, which are not any picnics. And that club just zoomed with an amazing trajectory right after that. They immediately took off. Now, they did struggle down the stretch. They had lost five in a row before they came here for a Friday day-night doubleheader. And I think they took three out of four in that series last week of the season and then went on to Houston, ironically enough, and and clinched a playoff spot. Uh, I think it was the night. After they left here, Sunday, they left here, Monday, I think that's when they clinched. And maybe it was Tuesday, I can't remember. Uh, but you forget that Philadelphia was in Houston just a couple of weeks ago to clinch a playoff spot, round out the regular season, and then they go on this little magic carpet ride, which now has them up two games to one. I mean, and I say magic carpet ride, I don't mean like that to be facetious, like I generally mean it with the Washington football team that we cover, which always seems to go on these magic carpet rides. Yeah, but to you know what, though? Hey, we see this, Chris. We saw it. We, look, we've seen the Steelers as a six. I know. I was there. You know, yeah. go win a Super Bowl. That was the only Super Bowl I've ever been at. You know, the Phillies were deep yeah. wild card. You yeah. know, they were a oh, deep wild card. 87-win team. We, I, you're, you're absolutely right. We see it all the time. We see teams that are, are you know, um, Low seeds in in every sport. I mean, in hockey, how many times have we seen an eight seed upset a one seed? I mean, obviously we saw the Kings do it with Kelly Rudy. We saw the Canadians do it with Carey Price. With the Canadians, well, the Canadians with Yaroslav Halak. Yeah, that's right. Against the Capitals, who had won the Presidents' Cup, they Um, did it with Price years later as well. So I mean, absolutely. It's sometimes it just clicks for you, and you know we see it, of course, in college basketball, right? Uh, Sure, you see the an eight beat a one from time to time. And obviously, we see the 12s beat the fives all yep. the time. I mean, North Carolina going on a pretty good run this year. I mean, um, it just, you know, and again, for a player like Bryce Harper, who much has been expected literally since the age of 16, he quit high school. Remember that? Yeah. Quit high school, got his GED. Right. Then he went to the College of Southern Nevada, I think yep. it was. I think so. Okay. Yep. So this is a guy that gambled on himself at age 
16, Chris. Mm-hmm. Imagine that at age 16. Walks away from high school. Gets the GED. Goes to junior college. Starts playing at that point so he can accelerate mm-hmm. the potential professional angle of his career. Mm-hmm. He's bet on himself, and right now he's cashing those chips in. I mean, it's... It, in it, a big way. It's hard to fathom, though, that last night, I, I mean... I mean, when you think of all the great things he's done, right? Last night was his first World Series home run. Not his first postseason home run, obviously. His first World Series home run. And he was really good in game one in their comeback. Should have had an RBI single to key the rally. But, uh, you know, Hoskins was a little conservative uh, around third on a frozen rope that Harper hit out to right field. Either way, they scored a couple of runs that inning, and they made up for it, and then that keyed the rally. So here the Phillies are up two games to one. And listen, the the one bad thing for Major League Baseball, Pete, in this series, now you did get the, again, great comeback on Friday night. Friday night's game was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you stood with it, if you uh, stayed with it, if you st- – Stood with it? What's the right link? If you stayed stayed with it, it, yes. If you stayed with it, Friday night's game was awesome. I mean, so much drama, so the comeback, the late inning stuff, the hit by pitch that wasn't ruled a hit by pitch, uh, Castellanos out right field. I, I mean, there were so many good things about Friday night's game, but you had to stay with it. Saturday night, I, you know, I like, I, I checked out when the Astros went up five to nothing. For whatever reason, I just did not think that the Phillies were gonna do that again. I think they were up five to nothing again early second, uh maybe third or fourth inning or whatever it was Saturday night in game two. And then last night, again, I had the game on most of the night. I kept flipping back and forth to the Caps and the Golden Knights mm-hmm. and to Kent State and uh and and um uh who the hell did they Ball play? State? Ball State. Yeah. Um but five, you know, a five nothing lead for the uh, for the Astros in Game One early, a five nothing lead in Game Two Saturday night. Not a great night for television viewership, anyway. I mean, it was five nothing through five. It was three nothing after one, and the Philly and the Astros became, I think, the first team to have extra base hits. Their first three batters in World Series history, or maybe it was four first four batters, whatever it was. I don't want to say the game was over by the first inning. It wasn't, but it was 3 nothing, and the onslaught was on, and there was 5 nothing after 5. And again, maybe you should have thought, oh, the Phillies can come back. But I, whatever reason, I just didn't feel it Saturday night. Uh, I stayed with it Friday night, didn't stay with it as much Saturday night. And then last night, there was never really any threat from the Astros. Never really any moment where you go, uh, there was one inning where they had a chance at a couple of ducks on the pond, and I forget – uh, what the sequence was, I'll have to look it up. But there was really no juice from the Strohs after having a couple of nights off. McCullers was terrible. And then the big thing, you know, besides Harper and Schwarber, the ex-Nationals hitting home runs and everybody hitting home runs, the big thing that comes out of that game is now a team that got found uh, convicted, uh, found, found proven to be true that they cheated, a couple of years ago, now everybody's saying McCullers was tipping pitches last night. But that's not, not cheating. cheating. Not no. cheating, but kind of ironic. Like this baseball scout Remember of mine. This Strasburg baseball scout in 19. Of my, I know. This baseball scout friend of mine said exact same thing. Wondered if he thought maybe, I hope I'm not putting him in a position. I hope he's not listening. Um, 
thought. Well, he didn't say his name, so we no, don't no, know no, who he no, is, no, no, so no. don't worry about it, it. Exactly. But, I mean, just, you know, um, thought maybe McCullers was, was tipping pitches. And I don't know. I asked him, I said, is it because he's largely breaking pitch stuff? Breaking, but, you know, I, I mean, he doesn't throw a lot of fastballs, especially to left handed hitters, righty, lefty, all, all that stuff. And he said, no, you know, because that's, that's Lance well, think McCullers. About it. Think about it, though. Whatever, whatever, whatever Harper told Boehm. That pitch he had was a fastball riding inside, and Boehm just destroyed yeah, it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, I forgot about that. You but know, the rest were breaking pitches, I think. Yeah, for the most part. I mean, he's certainly breaking ball dependent. But, it, it look, I mean, I, I go through this with, with my daughter as a pitcher, okay? And, and, and little things like how you're gripping the baseball before you, you know, go into your windup. There are so many things that a perceptive coach and perceptive hitters will study mm-hmm. and look for. And remember, there are also patterns, okay? You've, you, you, there are patterns that you study about pitchers, especially this late in the season. Mm-hmm. There's a tremendous book on every pitcher yeah. that you see, and guys are going to stay with what got them there. And a guy like McCullers is a guy that is going to be breaking ball heavy for the most part. But what happens, Chris, you, you think if – Okay, I'm not I'm not I'm struggling with my breaking ball. They're hitting my breaking ball. So maybe you expect after giving up a home run, maybe he's gonna try and come inside on the next guy. Right. Didn't come inside far enough Got and Bone destroys the, the baseball. Yeah. So as Bryce said after the game and very perceptively, you know, whenever I, I feel I have information to share with my teammates, I'm gonna share it. Now it could have been something as simple as a hunch yeah. to tell the young hitter in Bone, hey, He's getting rocked. Expect this first pitch to likely be on the inner half, if not even further in on the plate. And Bohm was ready for it, and he drilled it. He got the barrel of the bat out there before the ball could come any further inside and handcuff him, and he jumped on it. So it could have been something as simple as that in well, terms it, of helping the young player right. from an expectancy standpoint saying, hey, this dude's getting pounded He's likely coming inside on you right now. Scouting reports are one thing, right? You got to read them. You got to understand them. Sure. You have to know what to do with but the you video know technology. You can't, you can't survive at the pro no, level, dude, if you don't. I understand. But but not everybody is we, – we know this from football, right? Mm-hmm. Not, not every quarterback studies film the same way and then processes film true. the same way, right? Correct. Again, even at the pro level. Proven results of right. that. So – what I, I guess what I was getting at is you could, you know, have the scouting report, you could have the hitting coach, you could have the assistant hitting coach, you could have all the technology in the world, but maybe just a little bit of tip, a little tip from Bryce Harper, a little reminder mm-hmm. in the dugout right before you go up, maybe, just maybe, that ultimately was the trick, is the trick, uh, and helped the Philadelphia Phillies out. Either way, a couple of things. The other thing I thought of, you know, like the Phillies switched to Suarez, right? Who again, the Astros just saw in early October, mm-hmm. and he didn't pitch well against them actually. The night after they clinched, the Astros, but 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 they switched to Suarez. I think on Monday after the rainout, the Astros, I believe, kept McCullers and scheduled McCullers all along. So maybe Philadelphia had even extra time with the rainout, sitting around to study his tendencies, all that stuff. I don't know if that played in. Either way, here's what I know. Like for baseball's sake, I want a I, I want an, a competitive game from the jump tonight. 
And then the other thing that I'll just say this, there are going to be some Nationals fans that are upset if the Phillies win this series and win the World Series, that Bryce Harper finally got his championship in Philadelphia. Here's the thing that I'm going to say. You can boo and have your own emotions and think whatever you want to think. You're wrong. You're wrong. Uh, that was as much on the learners, as it, if not more, as it was on Bryce. Just be happy that you won yours and he got his. And I know it didn't come together. If this happens, there's no reason to be resentful. There's zero reason at this point to be resentful for Bryce Harper. Yeah, and, zero. And, I mean, look, I, I, I'm a guy. I'm a, you know me. I'm a player. I'm a player, dude. Um, so I, I'm. I like Bryce. I think Bryce again. If you buy a ticket to a baseball game that Bryce Harper's playing in, ninety nine point nine percent of the time, Bryce Harper plays his rear end off. Okay, and and that's all you can ask of the player. The team constructed a deal that they felt was in their best interest. Bryce searched for a deal that he felt was in his best interest. Simple game. It's really a simple game of dollars and cents. Bryce didn't want deferred money. Bryce wanted, you know, Bryce wanted to be paid over the next 10 to 13 years. And that's what his side chose to develop. Now, I will say this, though. Let's not crown the Phillies champions just no, yet. No, no, no. Okay? Yeah, I agree. While, yes, there is a tidal wave of momentum on their side, the reason why the Astros are here is because they can pitch their way out of any hole that they get in. Though I will say, Philadelphia with Aaron Nola, and how ironic, Noah Syndergaard, who many people thought would be an anchor of the Mets rotation for several years and have mm-hmm. them here at the World Series door. But it's Christian Javier and Justin Verlander coming up for the Astros. Guys that Dusty Baker, quite frankly, would want on the mound to try and pitch his team's way out of a hole here. Phillies are halfway home, but they're not quite there just yet. Coming up, defenders coach Reggie Barlow will join us in studio. He's making a tour of the building today. What a great time to ask him about a hot topic because something he will be doing quite a bit now over the next few months. Player evaluation. It's hits and it's misses. The Washington Commanders found out about that as well. We'll tie the two together coming up with D.C. Defenders coach Reggie Barlow here in just a couple of moments. Keep it locked in to Russell and Medhurst right here on the Team 980 and streaming live for free on the Odyssey app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Yeah, I know. I'm used to being on three, one, two this morning because we're gonna have a guest coming up here. Yes. But any any point the Capitals salvage against reasonably competent uh, competition right now is outstanding. 
because of all the injuries. Obviously found out now you're going to lose uh, Brown for the whole season. Six to eight months of recovery on him. Right. We knew that was up. we knew that was a long-term thing. I did not know it was a torn ACL. Well, hockey is as good as it yeah. can be at hiding yeah. specific injuries. Yep. So we kind of feared uh, that on Connor Brown. Unfortunately, that's what yep. it turns out. Uh, to be, but again, they they manage a point. Vegas wins in overtime last night. But as you're not watch- a good third period, though. No, no, exactly. I mean, but uh, uh, when look, I mean, you know, uh, Malenstein gets hurt last night. Uh, so I mean, it, it's just crazy what's right. happening to them. Right, you're short everybody to begin with, and then you're short in game. Right. So and, and Malenstein uh, is it Malenstein or Malenstein? I always I screw up. I think it's Malenstein. Malenstein. When I listen to it, Joe B and John Walton, I'm pretty okay, sure they say Malenstein. I, I, I'm pretty sure it's Malenstein, but for whatever reason, I want to call him Malenstein. I don't know why. Um, he has been an important piece since they inserted him in the lineup in New Jersey mm-hmm. at the start of this road trip, because he's not only a fourth line physicality guy. But he's also got some speed, and he's also got that that um, how would you say that that little vinegar to his game, sure. you know, a little spice. Um, yeah. So losing him on a block shot, uh, it looked like maybe it got him on the wrist forearm area. I hope it's not a broken bone or or, or something like that. Don't know. Obviously, he didn't come back. Uh, that sucks. Already without Carlson, we don't know about T.J. Oshin. I heard Laviolette on this morning with the Junks. He was explaining the difference between day-to-day, week-to-week. I have not heard an official designation on T.J. Oshie other than I don't believe it's day-to-day with T.J. Oshie. I believe it's more week-to-week with T.J. Oshie. Carlson is day-to-day. They go to Detroit tomorrow night. They've mm-hmm. got this brutal schedule coming up. I think it's like 11 like eleven games in 19 days or something like that leading up to Thanksgiving. Uh, again, they were four-game road trip, back home late Monday night into Tuesday morning, immediately play a good Vegas Golden Knights team, immediately back out again this afternoon to go to Detroit, and then onward uh, from there. I think another four-game trip uh, I think kicks off tomorrow night if, if memory serves. Either way, that I mean, if that's true, that would be what eight out of nine games on the road, right? Uh, after a relatively home friendly start, um, I know that usually this time of year, it's always been I think the Washington International Horse Show or something like that that yeah, has forced yeah. them out of their building because I've seen all the tents and everything popping up over at the Showplace Arena uh, out off of Route Four, which houses a lot of those horses oh, while they're okay. in town. So perhaps that is again what's okay. coming up here. That makes sense. But you're you're right. I mean. They have really spent an awful lot of time away from their rink uh, so far this year. They went Jersey, Dallas, Nashville, Carolina, quickly back home. They'll get now. They got a four game stretch at home after Detroit. They get Arizona, Edmonton, Pittsburgh, and Tampa here. Oh, okay. I, I you know then, what I misunderstood. I thought right. that was another four game road no, trip. My it's, bad. It's Arizona, Edmonton, Pittsburgh, and Tampa. Okay. Then they go to Tampa, Florida, St. Louis. Three at home with Colorado, Philadelphia, and Calgary, and then a bunch of A's. I got That would be at New Jersey, at Vancouver, at Seattle, at Calgary, at Edmonton, and at Philadelphia. I got you. So, yes, you're right. They do have that stretch coming up, but they do get this. this, uh, They get a bunch of home games ahead of time, but you're right. They then have eight of nine. The only thing separate. Here's what I don't understand, and this is where the NHL schedulers kind of screw the Capitals here. The Caps go to, listen to the geography again. New Jersey, 
Vancouver, Seattle, Calgary, Edmonton, Philadelphia come home to play Seattle, and then they send them back out to freaking Winnipeg when, when they're already crisscrossing across Canada. Just get the Winnipeg game somewhere in there yeah. to help the Capitals make that more, I mean, more palatable. I mean, the Caps get hosed here by, hey, you're going to go, go to, you're going to go East Coast. You're going to go all across Canada. You're going to come back and play at Philadelphia. You're going to play one home game against Seattle, say hi to the wife and kids. And then, oh, we're sending you out to Winnipeg. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. Winnipeg and Chicago in a short two-game road trip. I just don't understand that part of the scheduling for the Capitals. I know when an arena is available, and I believe me, I understand all that. But that's just that's just a brutal, brutal stretch for a shorthanded hockey team with all that travel that's going to be coming up there uh, during that stretch. It's going to be a, that's look. Right now, they're treading water. You're hoping maybe by then. You're starting to see 43 on the horizon, maybe by that time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe the hockey gods will cooperate with the Capitals and start giving them some reinforcements by that time. Yeah, we'll see. We'll Not see. many, but you're hoping maybe an, maybe an Oshie and Wilson, because that road trip comes up right after Thanksgiving. So I don't think Wilson's going to be back until like mid-December is what I heard. Uh, Brian McClellan say about a, uh, and they're going to be conservative because yeah. when you get him back, you want to make sure you get him back for the long haul yeah. uh, without interruption. And that's the again when you've got a guy coming back from what he had and the nature of the game that he plays, you want Tom to be able to go full bore one hundred percent each and every mm-hmm. night because if he's not, he's no good to you. Yeah, if he can't play his type of game, right? So uh, I again, you're treading water good enough right now. You're hoping at some point you can at minimum get 74 back in the short term, but ultimately to be successful, you need 77 and 43 consistently to be in the lineup for you uh, going forward at some point here. And that's a brutal stretch. I'm not saying that's a stretch that can make or break their season because it's too early in the year to do that. But, man, you're talking about 12 points on that road swing alone. Yeah. If you can somehow manage seven out of that, that would be plenty. That's um, that's fool's goal. I mean that that's I mean that's that's stealing if you ask me. You know, just one last thing, and then we'll move on to the college football playoff before Reggie Barlow joins us in studio. And that is, listen, last night third period, Peter Laviolette not happy, and for good reason. They were out of gas. They were dominated, and then they of course lost the game in overtime. Got it. Char- Charlie Lindgren played you know reasonably well. Not his fault by any means. Um. You know, again, that's as much the schedule, too. Three games in four nights, travel from Nashville to uh, Carolina. Uh, After Saturday night's win, Carolina back home, a really good Vegas Golden Knights team, or at least so far, and and certainly a very talented one with Eichel and and Mm -hmm. Marcheseau and all those guys, right? Um, Like, even though... You don't make excuses. With all of their injuries, again, the travel, the schedule, and back-to-back nights, it it was it was logical. It was logical for them to run out of gas in the third period last night. Logical. It doesn't mean you have to, but logical. So, uh, again, I, I wouldn't read too much into it. I wouldn't go crazy. I know it's early still, uh, but a point is a point is a point, and you get points in games that maybe, quite honestly, you shouldn't get points in 
when you based consider, on the roster you went into the last two right. games with against those teams to get points. Exactly, I, I think it's pretty significant. Right. Quick thought on this uh, before we get to Reggie uh, and the trending and all of that. Uh, so maybe like a minute, minute and a half here, and then we'll try and get back to this. College football playoff rankings came out last night. Mm-hmm. I only had one problem, one issue. Mm-hmm. Did you have any problems, issues? I had, uh, I had, yes. I have no problem with one, two, or three. That's exactly where I thought you okay. were going to go. I, 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 Michigan is better than Clemson. Absolutely. Alabama is better than Clemson. Absolutely. TCU has better wins than Clemson. Absolutely. Now, I'm sure there's a defensive metric because Clemson's been terrific defensively for the most part. I'm sure there's a defensive metric because Alabama gave up 52 to right. Tennessee. TCU's given up a lot of points in a couple of these games that they've won. Michigan hasn't played anybody yet. So I'm sure there's a defensive metric that probably boosts Clemson here in the short term. But the good thing is one and three are going to play each other this yep. week. So, so that'll sort will itself knocked, out. Knocked off. Two's right. going to eventually play five, which is Ohio State and Michigan. And this uh, eventually Alabama's going to play one of Georgia or Tennessee again. Well, let me ask it to you this way. If Tennessee loses to Georgia, mm-hmm. and that game's at Georgia, as we discussed yesterday, right. which is possible, likely, what have you, does that automatically knock Tennessee out of the top four and move Michigan in, in your eyes? There will some that go by the premise that if you win all of your games, uh, then you should get credit for that. And then I think there will be some that will argue Michigan bumps up ahead. You have to drop Tennessee. Look, if you're going to drop Alabama below Michigan and Clemson, and you're going to penalize them for losing 52-49 at right. the number one team in the country where if Will Reichard's field goal mm-hmm. goes through, mm-hmm. it's maybe them winning 52-49. Mm-hmm. If you're going to penalize Alabama the way they they did here for that loss, and I understand, you got to win your games, then Tennessee's probably dropping down at minimum below Michigan. Right, Got to stay ahead of Alabama because they right. beat them head-to-head. So you're probably talking Clemson 3 Michigan four, Tennessee five. That's probably, yeah. The, the loser the, the, of that game is probably going to drop to five, whether it's Tennessee or Georgia. Yeah. Okay. And then Alabama is going to meet one of them in the SEC championship game. And we're going to have a significant argument at that point. 301-230-0980. DC Defenders coach Reggie Barlow joins us next right here on the Team 980 and streaming live for free on the Odyssey app. All right, indeed, as we mentioned, the college football playoff rankings out. Selection committee uh, pointing Tennessee, number one, Ohio State, number two, Georgia, three, Clemson, four, as we were just uh, talking about. Again, as Pete mentioned, Tennessee at Georgia, one versus three this Saturday in a big, big weekend for college football. Meanwhile, the Wizards back in action tonight against the Philadelphia 76ers, a team that beat them without Joel Embiid on Monday at Capital One Arena. Hear it here on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. The Nets, according to Adrian Wojnarowski, finishing off a deal after firing Steve Nash yesterday to bring in, that's right, Boston Celtics head coach and former Nets assistant, Emi Adoka, who was suspended by the Celtics for all of this year, and we open the show with Bryce Harper, Kyle Schwarber going boom for the World Series and the Phillies as they take a two to one series lead, and that's what's trending.
It was a phenomenon the last time it was here, and we certainly expect with an even greater marketing push and ownership of the league around it, it's going to be huge again. The D.C. Defenders, pleased to be joined for the second time on our show by Head coach Reggie Barlow. Coach, good morning. Thanks for stopping by. Good morning. Thanks for having me in. I appreciate it. You know, Chris and I are certainly going to spend a lot of time talking about this later on in the show. Basically, what you and the other coaches around the XFL are going to do now is get into evaluation mode. You're going to be watching film. You're going to be evaluating players. Coach Ron Rivera talked about it yesterday. They traded away a guy they brought in in free agency, gave a very healthy deal to. And for whatever reason, the fit just didn't work out. He said they missed on the evaluation. When you sit down and you evaluate players based on the philosophy you're hoping to play, how difficult is that process trying to figure out just off tape, maybe a guy you may have seen in person if you're lucky, but how do you you gauge whether that guy is a fit philosophically for what you're going to try and do? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. Uh, And, I mean, obviously once you look at a guy and you see that he has the measurables, uh, obviously it then goes into – the skill set, um, but most importantly is having those conversations with him, uh, getting to know who he is from a personality standpoint, whether or not he will fit, uh, talking to other people that he might have been coached by or um, if he's coming out of college, obviously talking to the people that was affiliated with um, the college that he's coming from. But, yeah, it's a tough deal, obviously bringing a guy into your program not knowing. And, uh, yeah, we've had to do a lot of evaluations here um, for our guys uh, that we that we'll be hoping to bring to the XFL, and uh, it's a tedious um, uh, thing. I mean, and to me, it's always important to get more than one set of eyes on that person. You know, at least six sets. I mean, six <laughs> pair, six eyes. Uh, you know, at least three people or so that's able to look at the guy, sign off on him, uh, make sure from a personality standpoint he's going to be able to fit and all that too. You mentioned the personality fit, and, and, and from my years of, of covering the then Redskins on a daily basis inside the locker room, you, you know, as you know, from playing in the NFL, I mean, it's you know, a melting pot of personalities, right, right? and different right. backgrounds or whatever. Um, sometimes you think you have the right fit. Sometimes you have, think you have the right guy. Sometimes people are very different on camera versus off camera. Is it harder, do you think, than ever now to identify – the right character and and the right work ethic than it maybe used to be when you were playing, uh, or, or 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 even in your earlier stops in your coaching career. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's easier to, to to identify work ethic because I mean that's visible. You can see that. You can ask questions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, guys are posting working outs and all that stuff. But you know, from a character, a personality standpoint, that can be a little different. Like. Um, I know for me, being a, a head coach and people seeing me, I'm forced to have to talk and do stuff like this when that's I prefer, you know, I'm a little introverted. Right. right? So We're not we're not bad. We're not gonna <laughs> right. bite or anything right, like that. Right, we can yeah. be best friends. How right, about that? Right. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, on. Uh, you know. I, I, well, I get it, right? Yeah. Um, you know, you have to do this type of stuff, but it's a it's a challenge though. I mean, I think that's why um when you see these guys coming out of college uh, the NFL Combine, um, the visits that they, the the pros, the scouts that they go on, and all the wealth of background information, mm-hmm. uh, and trying to figure these guys out. And you know, unfortunately, sometimes you you just may miss. And uh, what I command um, uh, coach for Rivera is 
not being afraid to submit. Mm-hmm. Right. We, we missed. It didn't work out. And just moving on from it, right, instead of, you know, covering it up or hiding it. So uh, I commend him and the commanders for doing that. When you talk about it, just that, you know, type of thing alone, you got a guy that appears to show attributes in man coverage. And we know the variances of responsibilities that come when you're asked to play zone. And the league as a whole is probably playing more zone now than ever before because maybe a lack of man-to-man guys that can go out there and lock people up like a sauce gardener has been doing with the Jets this year. So they go to zone, which is seemingly a little more palatable. But just how different is that from a defensive perspective, a guy that can play man and then essentially asking him or even having to teach him how to play more zone concepts maybe than he's ever played before. Yeah, I mean, that's that that goes into, um, obviously, um, you know, it's, it's skill set. Well, it's mindset is skill set and then it's scheme for me. So you got to make sure the guy has a skill set to do um, what it is that you're going to be asking him to do um, before, you, before you put him in that situation. So um, that's always a challenge. Um, I think um, – Got more people are playing zone defense now. Uh, defensive back is the hardest position I think in football to play. Mm-hmm. I, I just think it's a hard position. It's you got guys running at you full speed. You're backing up. They're coming at you full speed. You got to know when to open your hips and turn and run for a go ball or uh, or being able to stab your foot and stop uh, to break on a, a curl route or mm-hmm. out route or something like that. So it's a tough position to play. Um, I think a lot of people are playing like. Uh, match man, mm-hmm. I mean, so yep. you know the zone and that, stuff. That's so. what the commanders do, right? A lot, yeah, right. So yeah. Um, uh, a lot of defenses do, and you, with with the way these uh, offensive guys are getting so creative with mm-hmm. spreading you out and all that stuff, you got to have answers, uh, and you got to be able to play more than man, right? right? I mean, that's a challenge to play man the whole game. So you got to be able to do some other things and um, uh, and mix it up. Uh, we know you guys are going to be aggressive on, on on defense with obviously who you have as your defensive <laughs> coordinator. That's that that's not a question. Um, so I wanted to ask you the last time we were uh, with you and, and you were in studio with us. Um, I forget when that was, month and a half ago or whatever it was. You had not been over to Audi Field just yet. You All were right. about to go there. We know now that the team is going to be the defenders again, which That's is cool. Right. I think that means a lot uh, to the people that were jacked up as we were t- kind of talking about before you came in with us, but. Uh, that venue is really, really cool. And I, I just went to a Harvard um, Harvard, Harvard Howard game uh, there a couple of weeks ago. And it was, you oh. know, again, a cool little venue. But I, I, I was there for the first couple of XFL games, and it was loud. It was proud. What, do you, what was your impressions? What do you think it'll be like? And, and do you think that intimate atmosphere, if you will, at Audi Field will help you as you build what you guys are building? Yeah, that's a great question. And um we did get a chance to go by Audi Stadium, and man, like you said, a really nice, intimate stadium. Uh, not too big, all right. Uh, so you don't have to worry about playing in a sixty thousand right. seat stadium and knowing that you'll draw you know twenty five or so. Right. Um, I went and did obviously homework on it from the last time when the the team was here, and uh, just watching the videos and the atmosphere of the fans and the way they, I mean, they they brought the noise, right? Mm-hmm. They had great energy. Uh, so that was great. And uh, prior to l- learning which team um, that that I was going to be the head coach over, um, once I found out it was this one, I was I was ecstatic because you know they the fans already had what you want mm-hmm. your your fans to have, and that's 
great energy. They come, they show out, and they have a good time. And uh, that's what it's about. And that's really what you want the fans to have uh, when they come out to a game. Right. But that that stadium is – it was really nice. I mean, it, got, it has all the space that you need. Um, you know, the field is really nice. The, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's just a really, really nice setup. And uh, we're excited about – have an opportunity to lead a team in there. I was going to say, we're right around the corner from you guys getting going. What is the timeline now for you all as you, again, evaluate uh, talent and then try to put together rosters that just a few months away from now are going to be playing games again? Yeah, so we've been um, – they've been having what we call showcases, combines. Right. I mean, really from Key West to Maine, we've been everywhere um, hosting these deals, uh, just trying to find – uh, a group of guys, uh, and 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 you know, um, the pool of guys. It's a, it's it's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of guys that that's in the pool, and obviously you got to find the ones that's gonna fit um, what you're trying to do. So we've been doing a bunch of evaluations. Our director of player personnel is Lon Hutchins. Um, he's a guy who's been in the NFL as a scout before, and you know understands what that looks like in terms of. Picking guys, drafting guys. Obviously, Greg Williams, who's been a head coach twice and coordinator and all that stuff. So, so we got guys that have a wealth of knowledge of how uh, to build a team and uh, what that looks like. So that's what we've been doing. We've been going to showcases. We've been ev- evaluating t- uh, talent. Uh, we're actually going to have a coaches retreat here for the next few days, where we're going to be doing much of that uh, again, where we're just evaluating, sitting and. Uh, just hammering it out. Uh, again, I, I, we know, I think, what kind of style you're going to be defensively. I don't remember if we asked you this the last time, but with your background, uh, incorporating special teams, obviously, you know, where we see football now, a more vertical game, right. chunk plays, what would you say, ideally, your DNA on offense is going to be? Is it just as simple as a mix or balance, or is it – Hey, you know. I, w- I want to pick up, you know, I, I want to throw the ball. Yeah, I mean, obviously you got to have balance. Not Being a wide receiver, I, I definitely understand wanting to catch the ball, wanting to get throws, but most teams that win championships that have an opportunity to win it, they run the ball, mm-hmm. and they're really good at running the ball. So obviously it starts with the running game. We definitely want to be able to do that. Um, I do think in our, in our league um, there will be – um, opportunities to, to do some of the quarterback runs that you see in the mm-hmm. college game just because obviously it's not 16 games but um, but you definitely have to control the hit count on the quarterback when you're doing that stuff too so uh, so we'll have a good mixture of some spread stuff uh, obviously got through it on the field I think all of our wonderful fans that's they want to see a little bit yep. of that so uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah we'll, we'll chunk it around a little bit and make sure we're taking our um, you know our, our, our big throws as, as a wide receiver and a guy that's been on the college level and obviously now on the pro level, the advent of seven-on-seven football has made the wide receiver better, I think, than ever before now. They're so much more accomplished when they get to the college level and then even more accomplished when they get to the pro level. We were talking about how difficult it is to play defensive back, but I think one of the reasons why is the advent over the last 10 years, especially of seven-on-seven football, has allowed the wide receiver to take their games places that they had never been before, even before they'd gotten to college. Thoughts on how that has helped change the wide receiver position because, as you obviously can observe and appreciate now, wide receivers around the league are getting paid, yeah. getting paid handsomely for their work. Yeah, and and kudos to those guys, man. Um, obviously, that position is uh, – everybody see it as a prima donna position, right? But uh, those guys do put in work. And 
not only for the wide receivers from seven on seven and how much they do it, I, I think the linebacker play has become more athletic mm-hmm. because of, you know, so much seven on seven. Um, and, I mean, they start them out so early. Mm-hmm. Obviously in college, I mean, the the camps that they have, that they, they're able to go and do seven on seven. So, yeah, it's all about development. It's all about the more you have an opportunity to do something, uh, the better off you're going to be. And it has made a lot of receivers really good and, um, you would think, and I think, you know, the cornerback as well, it's just about, you know, finding a fit for whether or not you're going to be playing zone, playing man, that type of deal. Uh, D.C. Defenders head coach uh, Reggie Barlow with us. Of course, you can follow the team at XFL Defenders for all the latest news and information on Twitter. And you can, of course, follow the head coach at Reggie Barlow on Twitter. Uh, thanks so much for doing this and for coming in studio and uh, again a second time. And we look forward to uh, many chats and obviously, you know, following the team that you guys are building and and, and launching, uh, of course, early in the spring next year. And uh, really appreciate you making some time for us. Oh, yeah. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, we enjoyed it. You got it. Reggie Barlow, the coach of the D.C. Defenders, second of many visits we'll have with him again. Their spring football just around the corner as that evaluation process is going on right now. Touchdown at 10 is next right here on the Team 980 and streaming live for free on the Odyssey app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.